little touch pass there. Benson waiting, cuts in, he scores! Oh my! Into the middle, holding, back, Toporowski shooting, shot block, got it back, shot, score! Center of pass forward, of stop, shot, back to play, score! In front, Groove scores! Jaden Groove scores the triple overtime winner. Welcome into WHL Unfiltered. Uh, pleased to be joined by the play-by-play -play voice of the Lethbridge Hurricanes, Dustin Forbes, and also uh, my fabulous co-host Sean Mullen in uh, Swift Current. Uh, how's how's Lethbridge treating you there, Dustin? Pretty good, boys. The uh, the weather here has been phenomenal uh, this fall. So as we speak right now, we were 26 degrees on, what's the date, October 18th. So no complaints on that front. The wind has been relatively manageable, so things are good. You know, there's uh, there's been you know tur more turnover in in uh, in the play-by-play -play position over as of late. I mean, you're kind of kind of one of the veteran guys at this point. Would 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 you say so, there, Dustin? Yeah, I mean, this is my ninth year in Lethbridge already. Five for having fun, but you're right. There has been a pretty good turnover rate the last few years. I think a few years ago. I Back, or I went and looked, and I think at that point I was like the 11th or 12th longest serving guy. Um, so probably in that range. Still don't have the the miles or years that a guy like Les Lazarus has, but maybe one day <laughs> if they don't fire me before then. Well, you kind of, for my money, you kind of came on at the right the right time too in the in Lethbridge. I don't think uh, Pat was having much fun calling games for a couple years there. Yeah, Patty had a rough go, uh, and Pat's a good friend, still in town here in Lethbridge, and uh, yeah, he, he had a rough rough go. My first year, they won 20 games, so that wasn't a ton of fun, and uh, we went through, you know, the should they sell it phase, and then the general manager was fired, and then the coach was fired, or coach was fired, then the GM was fired, and then Pete Anholt came in, and uh, not to say it's been roses since Pete took over, but it's been roses since Pete took over. We've had a really good run over the last six, seven, eight years with Pete and Brent Kissio, who's the winningest coach in franchise history, and uh, as we speak, is 10 wins away from 250 behind the bench of the Hurricanes. So uh, it's been a lot of fun the last few years. Of course, uh, the highlighted portion would be those back-to-back -back finals uh, against Regina and Sean's Broncos back in 2018. So uh, it's been a it's been a good run here in Lethbridge, and uh, they hope that it continues this year as well. So, in, in terms of where they're at right now, I mean they're hovering around the 500 mark. Uh, last year was a very young team. Uh, where do you think the Hurricanes are in that junior hockey cycle right now? Yeah, they're kind of in a interesting spot, Sean, because they've got a pretty veteran defense up front. 
they're pretty young. Uh, and, and then the goaltending situation uh, will still have to play itself out. Brian Thompson, who's uh, the incumbent number one, uh, would be an overage goaltender, had off-season surgery, so he's still recovering, probably out for another couple weeks. Jared Picklick has been really good in his uh, start, so is Harrison Menigan. And I think if you were to look at their numbers, uh, Picklick and Menigan, they kind of go hand-in-hand hand with the team numbers uh, in that they've played a lot better than the numbers in, indicate. Uh, likewise with the team, 4-5 and five as we talk on the season, so a game below 500, but have played really good hockey. And the Achilles heel at this point has been offense. They've kind of struggled to score. We've seen the last couple of games, them got up to the three-goal mark, which, you know, doesn't sound like a lot, but for the Hurricanes, the way it's been going uh, is a pretty good number. And so the signs are there. Uh, I know speaking with Brent Casio, he's talked about guys, you know, like Alex Thacker, who had 64 points in 68 games last year and is uh, the highest scoring forward to return from last year's team. Uh, he needs to get going, and he scored on the weekend. And uh, Guys, Jet Jones, who scored on the weekend as well, kind of had a slow start. Braden Edwards still only has one goal. He scored three minutes into the season, and he hasn't had a point since. He's a guy that had such a great end to last year where they think there's a lot more offense to be had there. So uh, it's kind of a peculiar situation that everybody kind of started cold offensively, and now they're starting to get the wheels turning a little bit. So we'll see what this team can do moving forward. As you know, Sean, it seems cliche, but really there aren't any easy nights in this league. And when you're in a – the Hurricanes, I wouldn't say you're in a slump by any means, but when you're trying to grind out wins and every game is a close game and you've got good teams every single night, it, it can wear on you, and uh, the Hurricanes to this point haven't had an easy night, uh, that's for sure. You mentioned Thacker. I mean, he's a guy who uh, was here, and, and that's a great find there, a great uh, development for Lethbridge to have brought him in when he was struggling to stick in the league and helped him develop into a point-per-game player. So, while well, a slow start this year, a great story in general. Yeah, and, and you know what, a hard worker, and you're right. I mean, he, he didn't really get any, I guess, footing in Swift Current and was picked up by the Hurricanes at, uh, I want to say, the 2019 draft. They traded Wyatt Wilson to Swift. Uh, Wilson now with Victoria. Uh, and Thacker came in and had a pretty good 17-year-old season and has just blossomed. I mean, mentioned the 64 points in 68 games last year and uh, was such a key guy. I think he finished fifth in the Eastern Conference in assists last season on a line. Justin Hall, who did some damage. And, and that's one of those situations, as we all know, with the development in this league, it's not always linear. It's not always better every year. And in Alex's case, he has been better every year. And he's been dealing with some, some stuff this year uh, off the ice in terms of uh, injuries and whatnot that have kind of plagued him in the early going. So uh, I think once those get sorted out and he's played all but one game to this point and he's really starting to come on now. So uh, the hope that he uh, continues to elevate his game and he's the type of player too where when he's going, everyone around him is better. 
because he's such a good distributor and such a good passer um, and, and playmaker that when he's going, everybody that's on his line seems to be going as well. And uh, he's definitely going to be key cog if the Hurricanes are going to win games and ultimately continue their playoff run. And they've qualified for, I think it's six straight years. So if they want to qualify for a seventh year, which would be a Hurricane franchise record, um, he'll have to be a key key person down the rest of the way. I was going to say down the stretch, but you know we're still sore in the season. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, as far as that nomenclature, you know, we already mentioned the, the the 2018 Broncos and thinking about you know some of the these tough tough teams after that. It was the the uh, PA that you know given given everybody trouble, and then Winnipeg over the last couple of years. I mean, how? I mean, some of these you know more difficult teams, you know, out east and, and in Alberta. I mean, what who who. Uh, Who's been given the the Hurricanes fits this year, and who do you, who do you expect to be a, a tough out here coming up? Yeah, well, the the first thing that comes to mind when you say give the Hurricanes fits is the current Broncos, and they haven't played yet. Uh, two games uh, next week in Swift Current uh, on Saturday and then Wednesday, but they're a team that gave the Hurricanes fits last year. Uh, eight game season series, the Hurricanes went two and six. They didn't win a game in Swift. Uh, of course, that's such a tough building to play in. So uh, that would be my first uh, thought in terms of uh, teams that have, you know, given the Hurricanes a tough go uh, going back to last year. This year, they've played nine games, uh, and, and really to this point, I mean, it's kind of, when I handicap it, it kind of has played out to what I thought. I mean, Prince Albert is still a good team. Uh, up in that building, it's a hard place to play. Um, they've got some good players. Econ Chike has been really good, but the team to beat is for sure Winnipeg. They came into Lethbridge a couple of weeks ago or last week, and uh, and they've just got so much firepower. You know, the Hurricanes are probably the better team in that game five on five, but special teams they give up two power play goals against. They gave up two shorthanded goals against, and uh, that Winnipeg team they they might not play great hockey every night, but they've got such great players that. They can get away with it, you know. You know the Kikis and the Savoys and the Zach Bensons, who's probably going to be another top ten pick for them uh, in the NHL draft at the end of this season. Uh, just so talented that if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. And I, the way I look at it right now, yeah, eighteenth. It's still really early. We've only played a tenth for the season, but that win team in the Eastern Conference is the team I think to beat and then Red Deer Red Deer has been so good out of the gate and there was a lot of questions around them and uh, you know would Ben King come back we all know he has now Uh, didn't start the season with them and they've been able to not lose a game to this point Uh, and the biggest question around them was the goaltending situation the unfortunate news of Chase Coward uh, not being able to play at least to start the season uh, with a lower body issue, so uh, but Kyle Kelsey's come in. Uh, in you know, he played Junior A last year in, with the Victoria Grizzlies in the BCHL, uh, a league that, of course, both Sean and I know well, and um, had a pretty decent season there. He was acquired by Red Deer in the trade that saw Connor Unger go to the Warriors, the overage goalie, and Kyle Kelsey's been really good. So, 
And you can't ever count out a Steve Conowalchuk coach team. I mean, you've seen it out there in the uh, U.S. division with his Seattle teams, of course, winning uh, in 2017. So uh, those would be the two teams to beat. After that, I, I really, truly think you have three tiers. Uh, I think you have Winnipeg and Red Deer. Then you have Saskatoon and Moose Jaw as a second tier. And then after that, I think it's just everybody else, uh, with the exception of Edmonton, who's had a, a tough start. To the season, which I think we all expected. That Red Deer team made a huge leap last season after a lot of tough years, and I know they were um, really carried by their top line last year, but I mean, my impression is to start this year, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, what we're seeing is the result of some of those younger guys last year getting to play some impact games and getting to be a part of a developing and winning culture. And now there's a lot more depth uh, and and scoring throughout the lineup for Red Deer than there was last year. Yeah, I agree. And they didn't shelter those young guys last year. They threw them into the burner. They gave them an opportunity to play and learn what the league's all about right away. And the two things that I think about there uh, in that regard is Jet Larson, who for the most part played on that line with Baines, uh, Archie Baines, who led the league in scoring, and Ben King, who led the league in goals last year. And he was 17th and a player. And the other guy who I don't think gets enough credit, to be quite honest, of the type of impact he has on a nightly basis is Kalen Lynn, uh, the Shonovan kid, a younger brother of Cole, of course, who plays in Coachella with uh, the Seattle Traction Farm team. And he is such a you know what disturber. And last year scored 20 goals as a 16-year-old and didn't get the hype and attention that he would have probably in other years if he wasn't in his 05 year with the likes of Connor Bedard and Zach Benson and Braden Yeager. He kind of gets buried down. There aren't a lot of goal, uh, 20 goal scorers at 16 in the Western Hockey League, as you know, Sean, and last year Kalen Lynn did that and for the most part didn't play on that top line with Ben King and R.C. Baines. So uh, he's really, I think, taken another step. We've seen them once, and he was probably their best player. And he kind of reminds me of Brad Marchand in the sense that uh, he's always in the area to expect a you-know-what server to be, and he's hard to the paint. He goes hard to the corners, and there isn't a shift off for Kalen Lynn. And I think everybody else just feeds off of that and you, you have a guy like that on your team and you, you want to follow he drags you into the fight and he's been really good and the rebels have just been uh i think better than most people expected out of the gate well to give you some some uh context too lynn was an absolute machine in u15 hockey in saskatchewan he had 120 points in 27 games when he played his final season of U15 hockey. Uh, so he's always been an extraordinarily skilled guy, and there's always been a lot of eyes on him um, and a lot of expectation for what he could accomplish. But, yeah, you're right, kind of you know, flies under the radar as a 16-year-old with some of the big names that were out there last year. But he's as talented as they come from a very, very skilled hockey family, uh, and no surprise for me to see him putting up numbers at all. Well, and I think he might be in the conversation of a late first-round pick 
to be honest with you, by the end of the season. I don't know. We'll see coming up in the next couple of weeks the first central scouting list uh, and, and see where he's at in that conversation. But uh, you have three surefire first-rounders in Jagger, Benson, and Bedard, who will obviously probably go number one. But I think Kalen Lind is a guy that could absolutely be in or play himself into being a first-round NHL draft. When people talk about Cole a lot, but he's also got two sisters that have played NCAA hockey. So that hockey family is, is you know, the, they clearly had the gene for it. So, <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hear you there. I mean, it's it kind of, you know, you mentioned, you know, a, a, a comparable there. I'm, I'm almost, I wonder if I'm, uh, if I'm dating myself in, in this league as far as, you know, uh, you know, a Kyle Beach that played in, in Lethbridge or a Brad Ross that played here in, in Portland as far as, you know, guys that can score, but, you know, you really like that that physical intangible they bring to the table. And that's, you know, e- even as the game progresses and evolves, I mean, that's still going to be, you know, a pretty attractive player to, to most of these guys. 100%. And when you're a guy that plays on the edge with that, um, you know, swagger, and ability to get under the opponent's skin. Those guys are so valuable, especially during the playoffs. And you get into a playoff series and you got that guy coming at you night after night after night. Uh, that really definitely plays a factor. And especially for defense, you know, I mean, he goes to the net hard. Goaltenders know who he is and see him quite often. So uh, he's, he's a big part of that team. And uh, he, he definitely, Brent Sutter is not the coach there anymore, but he absolutely plays Brent Sutter-style hockey. Has the way the Hurricanes have played changed much? I mean, you mentioned the, the rain Brent Kissio has had there, and one of the great things that Lethbridge has been able to do, and I think in junior hockey especially, if you're able to develop a program with consistency from your management and your coach, but have you seen much of a change from those early years of Ann Holton Kiskio to what we're seeing on the ice from the Hurricanes these days? Uh, I I think so, uh, to be honest with you. Um, I think out of probably necessity, uh, you're talking about a team that had so many high-end guys. You think back to those early years uh, when Frank Kiskio came in as the head coach and the Jordy Bellaries and the Tyler Wongs and the Joe Estefans and, uh, you know, they bring in LeCision and and Dylan Cousins. There's some elite skill there. Alan Addison, of course, on the blue line, who was kind of a rover, if you will, at times. And, and So they played a really high-end, upbeat, high-tempo, puck possession style of game in the last couple of years because they haven't drafted as high as those teams prior to Brent and Peter coming in. You know, the back-to-back years where they drafted second overall and getting Jordy Bellary and Kalen Addison, they haven't had those picks, uh, with the exception of, you know, the 2021 draft where they were able to get uh, Miguel Marcus at 10, Tristan Doyle at 17, the two first-round picks, and they're only 16 this year, and both look like they're going to be really good players down the line, so much skill and talent, but they didn't have a first or a second-round pick in the 2019 draft. Uh, the 2020 draft, uh, they have Chadwick and Wormold on their roster from that draft, and those are 17-year-old players in their draft year who 
uh, obviously have become really good players at this level. Uh, and 2018, you know, like, trying to think back to was the 2018 first round pick, but you're going back to now 19 years old. It was Noah, uh, who was 2018 first round pick? Drawing a blank off the top of my head, but so they haven't had the really high, high end guys. So they've had to change the, I don't want to say culture. Culture has stayed the same. But they've had to change their identity on the ice in the way that they've played. And in the last couple of years, we've seen a team that plays a little bit more defensive, a little bit more cognizant defensively first, uh, as opposed to, um, you know, uh, offensive run and gun. Going back to that 2018 draft, how could I forget it? It was Zach Stringer, but he was traded to Regina for the pick that got them the Gallagher. So. Uh, they've had to, to to change the way they play, uh, the way they play, uh, the last couple of years to a defense first, and you know what? It's it's worked, and, and the team has that identity, especially when you've got guys like Joe Arnson, who's the co-captain, Jet Jones, who might be one of the better two-way centers in the Western League, big body, uh, hard to play against, can chip in offensively, scored 20 goals last year, so. Uh, I think they've had to change their identity a little bit on the ice. The culture itself hasn't changed. It's still a team that wants to be a playoff team every year, uh, that takes pride in the logo and all those things you always hear. But uh, definitely, I, I, I think your point that comes to the continuity, Sean, of, of staffs, uh, when you've got Peter Anholt in his ninth year as the general manager, Brent Kissio in his eighth year as the head coach, You've got Matt Manholt, who's in his fifth year as an assistant coach, and, and, and it just trickles down from there. Matt White, the equipment manager, year seven. Uh, Marty Polichuk, the athletic therapist, year seven. There's that consistency from the top down with the hockey staff, and even through the Hurricanes point to the uh, business staff as well. Uh, I think that goes a long, long way in building a culture and building – an organization and a, a program, as, as you said, from the ground up and building it to being a team and a program that people want to play for, be a part of, and, you know, to not go too long, but you go even to the scouting staff. The scouting staff has been in fact for the most part over the last seven, eight years with Rob McLaughlin at the top, Bob Bartlett, Todd Hassan, and the list goes on and on. So when you have that continuity, I think it goes a long, long way because you're not changing philosophies necessarily uh, as you would when a new GM comes in, he's going to want to put his thumbprint on a team. When a new head coach comes in, he's going to want to put his thumbprint on a team. Hurricanes have had uh, the same staff for a long time, and I think it's a benefit. Well, and I, I would say, too, there's an, an element there of uh, as a coaching staff, you know, it shows their abilities that they can adjust and coach different ways sometimes you have a coach that you know is a one-trick pony they know how to generate offense with firepower but for Brent Kissio and his staff to be able to adjust to their personnel and present successful game plans with different styles of teams says a lot about them as a coaching staff yeah I agree and it, it astonishes me to be perfectly honest that Brent Kisio is still here. Uh, all he's done really is win with the exception of a championship. Um, I think he's a coach that should garner uh, and get some pro 
whether it be you know an assistant coach in the NHL or a head coach in the American League, uh, should garner some interest at that level. But you're right. I mean, you have to adapt year to year. You can have your kind of philosophies and the way you want to play. And uh, uh, not to say the Hurricanes are a team that can't play offensively because they absolutely can, but their mantra now is defense first the last few years. And Brent's done a really good job with his staff in developing that and implementing that. And the players have executed it for the most part. And when you have those three things go hand in hand, usually it sets you up for success. And I think the Hurricanes are at a point where they're starting to come, you know, out of the curve in terms of the rebuild set. That's the thing that people forget is this is a team that the last couple of years kind of quietly gone about a retool, if you will, in those uh, narratives, if you want to use them, not a rebuild necessarily in the in the sense blow it up and you go right down to the bottom of the standings. And Pete Anholtz did a really good job with his staff and kind of retooling on the fly. You look at the trades that he made last year, trading Noah Boyko for Hayden Smith. Uh, you trade a 19-year-old for a 17-year-old. Uh, you trade a 19-year-old defenseman in Trevor Thurston for an 18-year-old uh, forward in Tyson Fincher and a 17-year-old defenseman in Ross Stanley last year. And, and the list goes on and on in, in being able to make moves, chase weak props for Braden Edwards. Right? You, you kind of take a couple of years back on the age, and he's done a good job at kind of supplementing that 18-19 drafts, if you will, where the Hurricanes didn't draft very high and didn't draft very much. And so I think there's hope that the Hurricanes are in that upswing, if you will, in terms of coming out of the low end of the junior uh, junior hockey cycle, and the low end was still a team that qualified for the playoffs. Well, the, the one I always come back to is the, the Stu Skinner trade. And, you know, that that year was such a crazy, you know, poker game, and the stakes were so high, you know, between Swift Current and, and, and Regina. And, and you know, to, to, to acquire some assets and still, you know, make it to the, to the East Final, I mean, I always thought that that was a, you know, brilliant, you know, uh, set up there by, by Pete. Yeah, Pete, Pete's shrewd and savvy and really has a good pulse at – when to make a move and what move to make and all of those things that go hand in hand with that and he's been fun to work with Uh, he's been fun to work for and it's been a fun run for the Hurricanes under his tutelage and I frankly don't see him going anywhere anytime soon so uh, people here in Lethbridge uh, love Pete Anholt and he's done the organization proud and himself proud and uh, I think the, the next step uh, for this organization under Pete is to hope to win a championship at some point and uh, it, it's kind of crazy to think that Peter Anholt has been around the Western Hockey League since 1986 when he became a, a part of the coaching staff of the Prince Albert Raiders and he's never won a championship so I think that's the uh, that's the goal for anybody working in sport uh, that's especially the goal for Pete, and I think we will have a team in the next couple of years once these young guys start to 
develop into bona fide top line guys that will have an opportunity to try and take a run at it. So, you know, talking about the impact he made, I mean, in, in general, you go back and you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, there was a lot of doubt about the organization, a lot of lean years, a lot of talk about whether they could survive at all. And after the transition where Pete Anhold took over and the off the ice transitions as well, the organization had some years where they really thrived. But everybody has gone through the ringer with COVID. Um, so has any of that momentum been lost? Where is the organization at when it comes to you know the connection with the community and and the business side of things. I I saw the home opener crowd look pretty good. But in general, how do you feel about you know after all that rebuilding momentum to get the team back to a real positive place, business wise? Uh, how they survived the the difficult last few years? Uh, to be honest with you, I think they've done a really good job. Uh, you look at last year as an example; they made money. Uh, with all the issues in terms of the world that we live in with, uh, you know, we went through stages where you could be at the games maskless, you had to wear a mask and be social distanced. There was a, a point in time where you had to be in the building social distance with a mask and there was no beverage consumption at all. So uh, I think through it, the Hurricanes have, have done a really good job in that they've been able to make money every year. And last year it wasn't a big surplus by any means but they made money and when you can be in the black and I think even more so John you know this when you're a community owned team that's absolutely critical and the Hurricanes are a community owned team and uh, it's a credit to Peter Anholt but it's also a credit to Terry Hausman who's been the business manager for the Hurricanes for a long long time and he goes back to I think this is his 10th year uh, or 11th year, uh, at 11th year, I want to say, as the general manager of business operations for the Hurricanes. And his uh, development and the team's development in terms of the product and uh, the entertainment package, and that's the thing that the Hurricanes have done such a good job at over the you know, last half decade, you know, five to eight years, is building a package, an entertainment package. So, yeah, you can come for the hockey game, but you're also going to be entertained if the game is crap. <laughs> and the Hurricanes have done a good job at that, and they've been recognized for it. I mean, you're talking about the uh, Business of the Year nominee for last year in the Central Division. They won two years ago. Uh, they were the runner-up a few years ago. So you're talking about three, four years in a row where they've been highlighted as uh, one of the better business, I guess, operations in the Western Hockey League. And uh, they have been able to uh, withstand going through the ups and downs of COVID and this and that and that and this. So uh, it, it's a well-oiled machine right now. And in any market, when the team's winning and producing wins and entertaining hockey, that's just going to increase. And the Hurricanes hope that they're on the upswing of that as well. You know, you you mentioned food and drink and also the, you know, entertainment aspect of it and, you know, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on the show was I really missed uh, your work on uh, Hurricanes this week. You know, I know that wasn't your show, but I just I, I want to do a show that exact format. I just don't have the, the, the lineup, but, you know, what you guys would do with, you know, having a, having a pop and having some pizza and having Pete over and having, 
you know, you know, kiss you over. I mean, it was always, you know, I really like Dylan, you know, his, his uh, you know, irreverent, you know, tech. I, I really, I just, I just wish, uh, I just wish there was still a, a show like that. I wish I had a show like that. Yeah, that, that's all credit to, to Jordan Karst. That was his baby. And, uh, he's a pro. He's not in the industry anymore, although I think he's started up a, another podcast uh, that isn't uh, hockey-related necessarily, uh, just, I guess, family life and experience-related. But uh, that was his baby, and he ran with it, and uh, we were, as an organization, happy to help and be a part of it. And uh yeah, he he developed a, a good following there, and fans loved it too. I'm sure if uh, you know, I, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of Hurricanes fans that listen to this, but uh, they would echo it. You know, that was a popular show, and uh, I, I definitely think the last couple of years it's been missed. Um, so if Karsty's listening, man, bring it back. Come on, dude. <laughs> and 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 you're right to 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 give Jordan credit, but. Again, you guys as an organization, you as, you know, a, a, a big part of that, you know, uh, to, to be open to, you know, give him, you know, access like that to, you know, again, all aspects of, of, of the Hurricanes organization. I mean, at, at the time, you know, I couldn't, you know, if, if I was on fire, the, the local team I cover wouldn't give me a glass of water. You know, it was like, how how is this guy getting the, the play-by-play guy and the general manager and the assistant coach and... I'm like I can't get a sniff, you know. I was like, and, and I just, and I really, I really like the product that you guys were putting out. It was, you know, it was. But again, that's that's credit to you and, and the organization, doesn't? Well, yeah, I, I don't really take much credit in that. I, I'm always game to talk hockey, and uh, the benefit Jordan had, I think, in in that regard, is that he, at the time, I think at the time that he started it, he was the in-game host of the Hurricane, so he kind of had that rapport and relationship with people within the organization myself and Pete and Brent included and stuff like that so uh, that I definitely helped but also just the ability to to produce and put together the podcast that he did uh, made it easier to, to from my perspective as the communications person for the hockey team to be able to convince those guys to go over and <laughs> Uh, the pop component, as we all know, people who work in hockey and sports, we all like our uh, suds. So when you can kind of have a sud and talk hockey and hang out and have some pizza, usually it's an easy sell. For your perspective, I mean, you mentioned earlier here, you know, now nine seasons in uh, to your Western Hockey League experience, how has the job as broadcaster changed and evolved? over those years that's a that's a pretty loaded question i it depends i think to be honest john i I think uh place to place it's different uh you know in in my uh situation not only am i the broadcaster for the hurricanes but i'm the communications manager as well so i handle all that uh game notes and stats and interview requests and previews and recaps and all, all that stuff, but I also work at the radio station as well, and I host an afternoon drive show on Kiss 107 and Lethbridge. So for me, uh, it's been a big learning curve in trying to balance all the things that I'm responsible for and doing it to a level, I want to say, some quality uh, in in all 
in all regards and all facets. So, um, whereas, you know, in other instances, maybe it's just broadcast and communications. Maybe in some instances, it's you're the broadcast, but you're also the news person for a radio station. So, uh, at our level, it's not uh, copy paste, as you know. It, it definitely, I mean, you know, Sean, you, you were the broadcaster and sales guy at a, a dealership, right? Like, you, you've got so many different things beyond the hockey broadcast. We're not, uh, at our level, it's not uh, not roses like it is at the NHL where you get to just call hockey and that's basically all you have to do. You do the odd radio hits and oh, you go, you go watch practice. Uh, we're, we're definitely responsible for a lot more. But uh, how has the job changed? For me, it's changed in, in just being able to manage all the things. There's a lot of late nights. Um, you know, you ask a lot of guys that do our job. John, I, I think you would, you know, uh, uh, agree to this. I know Bob Ridley would echo it. It, it takes a toll on your personal life for sure. Uh, that's one of the casualties. But uh, for me personally, when when the puck is dropped and the red light goes on and it's showtime for a hockey game, there's nothing better than that. Yeah, yeah, no, I like it, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's always it's fun to have you on the show. Do you have a? I know you have a prior commitment. You got any other uh, anything you want to touch on before we put a bow on this, sir? Forbes. Uh, just, I, I just think you know you guys have such a great following, and I, I you know I I just think close to you guys for doing what you do and continuing to build uh, your brand and covering the league the way you cover it. I, I think it's great that you kind of hit all across the league. You're not uh, just, you know, uh, central to one area, which is absolutely huge. Uh, for all the fans that listen, you know, thanks for the support. You know, I, I speak on behalf of myself who works for the community on team as we know and without the fan support at this level it doesn't work and, and I think that's the biggest key and takeaway that I've seen over my nine years or eight years and ten games or whatever the case may be is without the fans it doesn't work and the fact that the fans continue to come back in the last couple of years it's been such a grind uh, in terms of life in, in general um, and, and the fans still you know come out and support the teams across the league uh it's a credit to them and they're the reason we still have jobs and we're able to you know talk junior hockey on a podcast on a tuesday night so uh yeah kudos to the fans kudos to everybody around the league that keeps it afloat and makes it work and uh that's from the league league down and people like you guys who you know give an outlet for uh, people like me to, to BS about hockey. So thanks for having me on. Whenever you need me, let me know. All right. Yeah, thank, thanks for your time, Dustin. You bet, guys. Take care.